Hey guys, a quick update. This episode is not actually about the Order 1886. This is something uh, we recorded when we started talking about the Order 1886 and just went uh, on for about an hour about not the Order 1886. So this is kind of just like a separate episode. But anyway, enjoy, maybe. We did. That's a great... Siren, that's how you intro a podcast. (laughs) That's how you do that. You're listening to Whose Games Is This? It's the podcast where someone plays a game they haven't played before and they talk about it. Uh, this epi- Well, actually, before I say that, I'm your host, I'm Seth. Uh, this episode, uh, I'm going to have my older brother on. What's up, guys? I'm Aaron. Yeah, he's been on the show once. Once, yeah. Once before, talked about The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. You know. that's You could go back and listen to that episode. That's a heated topic. But um, this episode, we're going to be talking about the game The Order 1886. It's a First party PlayStation game came out in 2015. 2015, yep. yep. Uh, PlayStation exclusive made by Ready at Dawn Studios, mm-hmm. which they, in case you're not familiar with them, they <laughs> are known for their PlayStation Portable uh, releases. Got that award winning Daxter game. Yeah. Got your award winning God of War Chains of Olympus. God of War, Ghost of Sparta, and then the remasters yeah, of those two. So they, they made their PlayStation, uh, their PSP exclusive, uh, very hot exclusives, the PSP God of War games, and then they remastered them for the PlayStation 3, or they ported them over. And then uh, Sony, I guess. Oh, and also they remastered Okami for the Wii. And the thing about that game is that Okami, originally PlayStation 2 game, where you're, you know, dog, you go around, like, painting things and painting out darkness. Mm-hmm. Um I played a little bit of it. It's a lot of fun, but I just never got back to it. But when it was made for the Wii, the box art on the Wii edition of the game has an IGN watermark. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You were freaking out in the middle of <laughs> playing trade. Because that's hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. But... They literally went to IGN and was like, yep, okay, let's take this. So they, they took their own, because it's not the same box art as the PS2 version. <laughs> It's a different box art. So they literally published their box art, and the people that ended up uh, shipping out their box art to be printed, like, got the addition of their box art from IGN with the IGN watermark, which is hilarious to me. Amazing. This was also, I just want to add in, this was also developed in tandem with Sony Santa Monica Studios, their other first-party studio, and they're Mm -hmm. the ones who did all the other God of War games, as well as Starhawk and Journey. I want... Well, Journey was made by that game company. Yeah. And Starhawk was made by... Who's that made by? Uh, I don't know. You're not on Wikipedia. Collaborated with Lightbox. Lightbox. I wanted to get Starhawk for a second because, like, I was on PC... uh, Not PC. PS3. And I, like... I don't know. I, for some reason, like, several times in me owning a PS3, which I owned for, like... Or which I, like, owned and regularly played, like, up until six months ago from like all the way back in 2010 so i mean that's like four or five years and i would get to these points where i was like man i've like i feel like i've played everything that i want to play on this system so i just start looking at just weird shit and at (laughs) one point i thought about getting starhawk even though i fucking knew 
it was, was not be bad. Yeah, it, it was, wasn't good. Well, it was like months after it came out, so like everybody's like, "Yeah, this is just like, don't, <laughs> don't." And and I just for some reason was really interested in that game. And back then, back when when that happened, I whenever I wanted a game, I would just like fucking obsess over it and just like look at videos and just research it. And that's like all that would consume me until I went out and bought the game. Thankfully, I didn't buy Starhawk. I've never played Starhawk. Another game that was kind of like to play Starhawk. Yeah, I don't know. It was like it seemed a little bit like that Lego Rock Raiders PC game that we oh used to play. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, and that uh, was a frustrating game. It was, but um, I don't know. Another game that was kind of in that category for me, where I just like researched a lot and was kind of fascinated by it, and it was very much like entrenched in like the PS3 exclusive culture and this weird like development philosophy and pub and and hype philosophy of playstation exclusivity was mag mag that was the 200 the playstation exclusive online shooter that boasted a a whopping 256 players online congruent multiplayer yeah at at one time and uh it was bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was another game that did came. you ever play it no i never played it but okay. like i i just it like really took over my mind for like a good bit just because i would just i became i don't know it just was a really fascinating concept and mm-hmm. i was like man this looks amazing and then it came out fell flat sony has it's a good bit i mean i feel like not just sony but a lot of like the big sony games that i remember like kind of have a a way of doing that that's one of the things I love about video yeah, games. Yeah, just because PlayStation 3 was just so weird. Like, the opening, just PR push and everything, the weird, uh, like, girl with the dragon tattoo, like, yeah. CGI, black goo stuff. Yeah, like, and the, everything. Da- the like, David yeah, Lynch just, commercials. Yeah, pretty much. The weird crying baby with the goop coming out of its eyes, and it's like, oh, man, this is really going to push consoles with those moms who mm-hmm. want to get something for their kids on Black Friday. And then, like, it launched with, like, Resistance, and pretty soon thereafter, there was, like, Metal Gear Solid 4. Metal Gear Solid 4 was, was that, like, the first big game to I come think out so. for PlayStation 3? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you had, let's see, Resistance was infamous within that first Maybe. Like, two years or so. It was pretty, like, formative to the PlayStation 3 identity and, like, PlayStation exclusive That was, like, games. the first big game for PlayStation 3 that people were like, oh, yeah, you gotta you gotta play it. Just because Resistance, I'd heard mixed things about. It was just like, I mean, it's good. It's a good idea. It doesn't play all that well, yeah. but... I don't know. But I don't know. Sony's always been, like, kind of weird. Like, we... Uh, so one of the games that Ready at Dawn made was um the daxter psp game oh yeah and i remember getting so frustrated with that game because i didn't have a psp Mm -hmm. but on ps2 we had like the jack games yeah and i got jack x combat racing i was so fucking hyped about this game jack x that was actually a that was a genuinely good game no it was fun and if it was i don't know it was just weird that naughty dog format that we've talked about i think in the uncharted 2 episode where naughty dog would make like trilogy of games on a on a sony system and then, then the racing game yeah then the racing game's the fourth one um and they did that on playstation 1 with crash and then crash 2 crash warped then crash team racing uh playstation 2 with jack uh jack 2 jack 3 jack x combat racing yeah baby yep so and then like the ps3 had like uncharted one two and three and then the last of us which is i mean one hell of a racing title oh man what a that was like that was game changing in the way that mario kart double dash was yeah it was i feel like um 
the way that the last of us really revamped the the racing genre it's kind of similar to like uh how resident evil 4 kind of revamped like survival horror mm, and made it more like mm. action based over the shoulder more immediate you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so kind of that way but they finally gave you first person mode when your little go-kart and everything yeah. kind of like a forza feel you know and they put in a reverse feature which like no racing game before this had ever thought to like put in reverse for cars so you're just like racing around in the apo- in just uh, the uh, the aftermath of the apocalypse. Like I feel as if Naughty Dog they went and saw the movie Cars and it got to the part where Mater's like I'm the world's best backwards driver and they were like guys this is an untapped racing market backwards driving courses. Yeah, <laughs> and that was actually my favorite mode in the game was the only backwards driving mode. Oh my god, it was so much fun. You had to, like, especially if you were driving as the clicker. Yeah. The, oh man, dude, the clicker. Well, you had to use great. echolocation. Exactly. It made, You were able to see all the secret courses and everything. Some people said that was kind of cheating to do it, but I'm like, hey, they included it in the game. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the thing about it, though, is that, I mean, in, in, in ways, it's kind of like a MOBA, where mm-hmm. every character has their specialty, and every mm-hmm. character's, mm-hmm. like, ultimate is really good, and some people are like, hey... This game's broken because all this character like has this one ability that's too good, but each one has a counter, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the thing. You got to play your role. You got to play your role, especially like sometimes people Joel was like the baseline character yeah, I and mean, everything the like, same way that his... like, the same way that Crash Bandicoot was the baseline. Yeah, pretty character. much. It was the baseline character and then you've got your Ellie. Now Ellie was cool because she was smaller, much more compact. She was able to move a lot faster, kind of like the Toad-ish character yeah. in a way where it could, she could go really, really fast. But she also had the little shivs that could come out of her wheels to be able to bump yeah. into you and blow up your wheels. And then you had a character like Bill, who oh was just, just yeah. I- Three episodes in a row with just the smoothest transitions <laughs> yeah. possible. Just, I mean. Again, I mean that's the the magic of of the magic technology of these days. Podcasting technology, sound recording, is that you think we're just this is a natural conversation from us just like talking in Bill's part or talking about <laughs> God <laughs> from us just talking about Bill as a racer to like us just talking about this transition. But I, I know, mean, it's such a good transition. I gotta tell you, uh, what. A, where else do we go? Where else do we go from here about Last of Us Double Dash? I don't know because I mean I feel like it's already been talked about so much. Last of Us Team Racing. Yeah, well, I feel like it's already been talked about so much by like you know people are like paid to talk about these the things. the gaming intelligentsia. Yeah, exactly the gaming hype machine, mm-hmm. right? And the the true games critics of our day. Uh, but so what? How I got on this topic is that the Daxter PSP game, if you like hooked up your PSP through USB to your PlayStation 2 while you had Jack X Combat Racing pulled up, it would apparently unlock, like, a Daxter car or something like that. So this thing was the Amiibo before the Amiibos. Yes, but this actually, like, you could actually do something with this. Oh, okay. With both of them. I mean, number one, because the Daxter game was a game you mm-hmm. could play. Mm-hmm. So that had inherent functionality. And then you unlocked a car in the game. But the thing you unlock it with is, like, a real game that you can actually play instead of just, like... A hey, figure, look! A really good-looking figurine. Look at that. And I say this as someone who's like planning on buying more of them. It's like, oh man, I'm loving this Yoshi Woolly World amiibo. Not gonna buy the game, but it looks cool. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not gonna buy the game, and I I buy them knowing they're figurines. Like I don't buy them. Like oh man, maybe I can like I can train this up as a good AI fighter in Smash. But like 
my roommate Ross gave me uh, gave me a, a pink Yoshi Bully amiibo, and what that if they was made a Pokemon game with amiibo functionality. That would, uh, I mean, that would be profitable. But like that would kind of make sense. What do you mean? Like you just use the amiibo to like capture the Pokemon or well, to like get the Pokemon? I guess yeah, but then that would also kind of ruin what Pokemon is about is like the yeah. actual catching of them. And then if you do the amiibo, that's kind of like a like pay to win no, sort I, of scenario. The way I see it is kind of like maybe Smash, where you have the character and you like have all of its stats locked into the thing mm-hmm. but even then like the only way to make it better is to like have it where you take it with you in the real world but they already did that with the pokey walker yeah where you like could train it and like buff up i mean that's kind of cool ca- no i mean cool, i guess that's what i'm saying is that it's like why not just do that instead of like a because i mean if you use an amiibo there's no way to like really track with like an accelerometer or something mm-hmm. like that how many steps you have or i feel like we're just talking around the issue the dreamcast guys was so ahead of its time yeah <laughs> screens screens on everything screens on your memory cards memory cards you can take with you and play as a tamagotchi yeah the, i mean honestly the dreamcast is like this fucking like fever dream of a machine I know. that I love. It was just a last-ditch effort with all this crazy stuff that would it. eventually be in everything. So, As someone who never really played that much Sega stuff, like I love Sega. I, I love Sega because it exists. I don't love it because I like their things. Sega... I have, a weird, I have a weird history with Sega. I mean, at this point, like, the only thing keeping Sega afloat is Atlas and making, like, Persona. Pretty much, and then them hyping their new Sonic game that their their new Sonic title that they're going to be doing yeah, within the next uh, year or so that they're going to have released because they have Sonic Boom Colors Deuce K or whatever they're going to call it. And they have that, that Sonic 4 Episode 3 just waiting. I know. They're just perfect. I mean, I feel like that's kind of going to be Sega's Last Guardian. Oh, man. It's where they're like... Last, it's going to be Last Guardian, Half-Life 3, and Duke Nukem Forever hype just rolled into one. Because I feel like with this one, they're like, man, everybody really enjoyed... The thing is that everybody really enjoyed Sonic 4 Episodes 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we really want to make this one extremely good. Now, they weren't on the... It wasn't on the level of Sonic Heroes or Sonic Adventure DX Director's Cut. Yeah, I mean... But... What could be. What could be, exactly. Because those things, the thing about them is that you play them now and you're like, what? Sonic 4 is so much better than this. It's so much more playable. But Mm -hmm. at the time, you don't understand how progressive those games were. If Sonic 4 Episode 3 had a Chow Garden, game over, best game of all time, winner of every game award for every year to come. Now, if it had a Chow MOBA. Chow MOBAs. I feel like that could. That could. That's a game changer right there. I feel like that could really. Um. I feel like it would change uh, games altogether, like just everything on a on a like substantive genetic just baseline level. It I will feel like games. it would. I feel like it would just eradicate physical media in games forever. Mm, mm. So it, that game would come out. GameStops, your Amazons, it, it's just gone. It's all digital from yeah, that. Yeah, everything's onwards. digital. Everything is digital. We did it, guys. Yeah. Even Steam is going to go out, and Steam is totally digital. Yeah, exactly. Done. I feel like, well, actually, no, I feel like Sonic, um, for me, Sonic is so um, identified with, like, physical games that mm. I think, actually, 
it's it could go one of two ways either all digital or all physical and like you have to go to your local game shop and talk to like the sweaty dude for 45 minutes just to play it in the back and it's so successful that sega is able to set up brick and mortar stores that are they're they're not totally blatant ripoffs of the Apple Store, but they're blatant ripoffs of the Microsoft Store, which in and of themselves are ripoffs, are ripoffs of the Apple Store. So it's kind of like um, it's going to be like the Apple Store tri- twice removed, essentially. So like the Waluigi to Mario relationship, yes, yes where yes. Waluigi is a reflection of a reflection. Yes, he's a ref- so Luigi's a reflection of Mario. It's going to be, and then Waluigi's a reflection of Luigi. It's going to be like Sony's brick and mortar stores. Have you ever been in a Sony brick and mortar? store. Nope. It is weird. It is a copy of a copy of a copy, all based on the Apple Store. It's weird. I like it, but they. I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know. Sony's always been really interesting to me, because we've been talking about just how weird it is. I don't mm-hmm. know. Because mm-hmm. in this, the one I went to, it was in Orlando when I went a few years ago. And we went to this mall, and they had a Sony, like, just store. And I was like, oh, sweet. I'm going to go check this out. So I'm in there. We walk in 4K TVs. This is right when 4K TVs were getting, getting really, really start. We're like just fresh on the scene. So it's like, oh, 4K TVs. Look at all these pixels, guys. It's four times better than your TV. It's like having four of your TVs. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, I guess. And the thing about it is that like, you have to have it in your Mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. Like once you see it in the store, you're like, wow, like, Nothing else looks this good. Dude, this is better than real life. Yeah. I, I don't even want to leave my house. <laughs> I want to strap this screen to me like that camera in Requiem for a Dream and just have it in front of my face at all times. Yep. And then you would look look at the walls and everything, and instead of like MacBooks or iPads, you got Sony DSLR cameras. <laughs> just <laughs> 10 point and shoots. And you're just like, this is cool, I guess. I can go to my local Target or Walmart yeah. and do the same thing. But hey, cool. It's a Sony with a Sony handheld. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then in the very back was like their little PlayStation 3 corner. Because this was right before all the PS4 and Xbox One hype started happening. So you're just like, oh, okay. This is cool, I guess. They're obviously planning something new, but yeah. this is cool, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah. It's just weird, and the employees there were, I mean, they tried to be helpful, but they're trying to get excited about Sony hardware, and I'm just like, it's a TV, guys. Yeah, that's the thing, is that, like, I I mean, I guess games are easier to get excited about, but even then, like, I have a hard time just, like, yelling about Sony mm-hmm. stuff, even though, like, mm-hmm. I um have like played playstation we've played playstation like, like all of our a lives playstation household we have i mean both we, of us at least have at least two sony systems at any one time yeah so. you have the you have the full-on playstation like ecosystem i've got the playstation the ecosystem going the so. ps3 vita and ps4 yep god i only have the ps3 and ps4 at the moment i don't know if i want the vita but okay so back to the the sony thing like DSLR displays in stores just make me feel weird because, like, going up and looking at them, like, you could just find all the specs and everything you need to know, like, online. Exactly. And, like, you're not going to, like, test it out in a store and be like, oh, this is the camera I want because it captures the fluorescent lights and the bright, like, dirty but also shiny mm-hmm, tiles mm-hmm. of the store. It's like, also, the really blacks well. are so much blacker. On this it real just, s- oh, man, it's so detailed. Yeah, it's exactly. Great. And also just, like, picking up one of those cameras, like, everyone around gets nervous. And, mm-hmm. like, you point it in a direction and people are like, oh, is he taking a picture of me? It's just a look at it. You're like, On I mean, this, it's 720p. My face That's is, cool, I my guess. My face is, like, 20 pixels. 
Real sharp stuff. Dude, it's so good. Yeah. I don't know. It's just those things always made me feel nervous. But okay, okay, back to the thing I was talking about. How did about. we get on this topic? I don't know. Uh, but so Jack X Combat Racing, plugging the PSP with the Daxter game. Okay, we start talking about Amiibos. Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. if you uh, plug in the Daxter game, you're supposed to get a Daxter cart, and it just wouldn't fucking work. It wouldn't work with my PS2 when my friend who had a PSP with Daxter brought it over and everything. I I kind of just like arranged this play date just so I could get this Daxter card <laughs> in Jack X. I mean, sure, Greg, you're a great kid. Okay, Greg was great. But I just wanted the Daxter card at this moment in time whenever I found mm-hmm. out about it. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, you got it? Fucking, let's hang out, hey, buddy. Hey, man, what's up? Let's hang out, bud. So he came over and we couldn't fucking get it to work and I was fucking pissed because i couldn't get my daxter car i just had to stay with my car that i customized to look like that one dude um who had like the big metal armor do you know what i'm talking about oh yeah um um the guy with the peacemaker oh i can't remember what his name was that dude that that, guy that jack character that's who the the only black the only character of color in the jack games yeah pretty much Everything else, even though it's a completely fictional world with things that are definitely not humans, everybody's white. Even though there are, like, blue people at one point. <laughs> so a, I guess <laughs> I guess that's not totally true. He's the only character of color. It's a, it was an Avatar tie-in. Yeah. It was Avatar before Avatar, even mm-hmm. though Avatar was apparently being written in, like, the 80s and 90s. But whatever, James Cameron. Yeah. Also, okay, so Naughty Dog Racing Games, We before we recorded this, played a little bit of crash team racing that was that was weird i played it actually not you but Uh, yeah you played it but i watched and it was weird it was just yesterday i went i got it yesterday and i got this other playstation one game nba 2000 which i talked about a little bit in the last episode of the podcast about nba 2k16 just talking Mm -hmm. about like my experience with basketball games was pretty much limited to nba street volume 2 for the playstation 2 and NBA Live 2000 by EA Sports on the PlayStation 1. And I played that game a lot without, like... Actually playing? Without actually, like, being good or playing. Yeah, and I, you, like, just, you were just kind of button mashing. Pretty much. I mean, but that, like, worked at the time because it was a PlayStation 1, like, sports game. It was pretty limited. Without dual shot compatibility. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you couldn't get that haptic feedback of no. someone slapping the ball out of your hand, no. so... Not that immersive, but you could play, like, one-on-one against Michael Jordan. Uh, Anyway, so yesterday, I was just out, and I was like, man, I kind of want to just, like, not go back to the house. So I just drove around for a bit, and I... Well, I didn't just drive around aimlessly. I remember there was this one game shop that I hadn't really gone to, and I was like, I'll go in here, see what they got. And there's this place called The Score, so I walk in, and the place is divided in two. There's the game shop, and then the game tournament venue... Which was having a suit. Oh, yeah, their whole uh, uh, internet cafe sort of looking setup. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and they were having like a Smash tournament that day, and I just like looked around in the game section. It was weird because like no one else was in there, and then when they noticed I was in there, like an employee just kind of came in and would just like do stuff to make themselves look busy just so that they could watch me. And, and make, make sure, sure you don't steal anything. Exactly. Yeah, no, Which, that's that, my experience there as well. That's understandable, but like fucking just talk to me it's like tear down that wall yeah that's in there that separates those two rooms no problem solved i liked it though just like being just kind of alone looking at these games because also like all these games weren't like the classics 
and they weren't like the most popular games and they had things like going all the way back to like the NES and like Sega CD all these like older systems okay so they've expanded their stuff since I was there because they yeah. I think the furthest back they had while I was there was DS uh, PS2 era so it, well, it didn't go that far back but it was still cool to look at I mean they have like a pretty good selection of like classics for those older systems now mm-hmm. or like at least a pretty full selection um, from what I saw but I wasn't really looking because I don't have them um, they did have like a whole fucking like Sega 32X Sega CD like crazy system oh set up with Doom inside of it and I was like oh damn it <laughs> it looked really awesome but I was just kind of looking around at the stuff and again like they had like some good games a lot of it was just like in this big five dollar bin of mm-hmm. like ps2 xbox um some like playstation one um some xbox 360 and playstation 3 but nothing much like the only ps3 game they had in there was like god of war 3 for five dollars which god of War three for five dollars yeah uh, okay that's that's a good pickup i I'm guess st- i'm still not gonna get it no you really like, it like okay you, you can't make me care about god of war i've got some friends who are just now playing through the god of war games and they've already They've already sunk some time into the first one, and I was just like, look, guys, you should have just played God of War 3, finished it, and then if you are really interested in the rest of the story, look up a YouTube walkthrough, because the other ones aren't all that great. Honestly, God of War 1 has the best story, but, you know, okay, you want revenge on the God of War because you made a deal with him, and he killed your wife and child. What a what a riveting story, I guess. I don't know, it just felt like... God of War is always so disinteresting to me, because Kratos is one-dimensional in just how angry he is. Like... And that's it. And, like, it feels like the whole story is kind of this old myth, um, just expanded out. And not in a way, like... Again, so another episode we talked about, The Shadow of the Colossus, which I played recently. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, it feels like a vague, like, framework of a myth, but the game like makes it work and in mm-hmm. god of war it feels like a very vague like empty story that they just fill in the rest with just like blood everywhere and that's i don't know god of war has always been kind of disinteresting to me god of war was fun i really like the first two ones because i do like the um i guess button mashing sort of action games like i kind of like them they're fun they're easy to get into so the first two games were fun i really didn't think much about the story because i was what i was in middle school so the fact that they were just super violent i was i was well that's the thing is that they were very much a product of their time exactly and they knew who they were made and then by the time the third one came out you saw this sudden turn because the third one came out in 2010 Arkham Asylum came out in 2009. That one improved on the sort of button-mashing action game style that was brought forward by God of War, and it just honestly made it better, and it put a really good story behind it. So by the time God of War 3 came out, you already had some people going like, all right, Kratos is kind of one-dimensional. There's not really a whole lot of strategy to this button-mashing. You kind of do some combos here and there, but, you know, okay, whatever. It just... The fact that another game came along and did what God of War did, but in a much better and thoughtful way, yeah, it showed a lot of the flaws. And that's where you saw a lot of this stuff turning on God of War. And also just games started to get better. It wasn't about being, oh man, we got to be this hyper-violent game and everything. Because, you know, God, if their goal was just to be hyper-violent, you know, God of War 3, best hyper-violent game of yeah. all time... Best but sex mini games. 
I wouldn't say the best sex mini games. Uh, Hot Coffee, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. That's yeah. a, that's you know. I mean, was, it's it's a classic. It, it's a it's a classic at this point, but yeah. So I don't know. Back to the I guess the game store is where we were. Yeah, we got on that. So they had like God of War. They also had like a double pack game for the Xbox where it was like Star Wars: The Clone Wars and Tetris Ultimate. In, like, the same thing. Was this Star Wars The Clone Wars, like, the animated one? Or is this no. OG Star Wars The Clone Wars, like, expanded universe? Yeah, it's, ex- it's an expanded oh, universe man. game. That was a fun game. I mean, closely related to the movie. That was a pretty fun game. Expanded universe. Uh, so they had some games like that. And I found... Well, also, so they had, like, the $5 games and mm-hmm. this, like, big kind of, like, sideways bookcase, kind of, where all the <laughs> game cases were, like... You could see the spines and what games they were, and they were all just kind of, like, shoved in as many as they could. And then they had these, like, big spindles of CDs that were a dollar each, and they were just loose CDs of, like, Madden 08 and and all these, like, older games. A lot of them were just, like, iterative sports games. Yeah. Um, but in there I found a copy of NBA 2000, and I was like, I gotta get this. This is the one. This, this is, is the, the one. one. I gotta get it. And then I was looking around underneath it, and there were, like, some bins of, like, uh, like Game Boy Advance DS games, and I found this one disc organizer that had a copy of Crash Team Racing on it, where the front cover art was uh, pretty fucked up. Like you could barely see mm-hmm. what it was, and the disc was like looked. Uh, was it just like water damaged or sun damaged? Was it just, it's just some kid took like a pen no to it? It just had like faded a lot. Oh, okay, where you could barely see it because the cover art is just like the mirror of the the disc with mm-hmm. like just black dots on it making mm-hmm. the image, and you could barely see it, and then. The back of it, or the like, the actual disc looked um, kind of like opaque at parts. <laughs> um, kind of like a matte finish on some parts. Very bad okay. disc. And uh, they had this like buy two get one free deal. I had already picked out um, like oh, I picked out a copy of Guitar Hero 3 and Guitar Hero Aerosmith for the Wii, the dual pack, because a friend wanted it, and I was like, sure, I'll get it for you now. I think Guitar Hero Aerosmith was the last one that I played. Guitar Hero 3 was, like, the the downturn for that franchise. It really was. We could talk about this another time. Yeah. Um, Because I have a lot of thoughts on it. But Guitar Hero 3 is when you start... Like, Guitar Hero 2 is the peak. I guess we're talking about this now. Uh, We're we're talking about this now, I suppose. Guitar Hero 2... Was the peak. Absolutely. Guitar Hero 3 was, like, peak of popularity. But a plateau in... Yeah. Just... It felt like a step down. I don't know, just because it felt like it was, like, more polished and the songs just, like, weren't as fun. But, hey, Slash was in it. Slash was in it. You had... Tom uh, Morello was in it. Through the Fire and the Flames. That's where you got that. Yeah, Through the Fire and Flames was kind of... I think the only, I, I think the biggest reason that Guitar Hero 3 was so popular was the YouTube videos of people playing Through the Fire and the Flames. Yeah, and then after that, you got all these, like, these little expansions, like uh, Guitar Hero Aerosmith, Metallica. Expansions, but they were still, like, $70 because you could get, oh, you can get the Aerosmith guitar. Oh, yeah. you can get the Van Halen guitar. Yeah, they were still full-on games in their yeah. own right, but they were, like, they just kind of ran out of things. So they were like, oh, let's just go with artists. Let's go with artist-based things. So they had, like, Van Halen, Metallica, No, they Aerosmith. didn't have... Did they have a Van Halen? No, it yeah, was... They yes, no, they, they had the Van Halen guitar, but that one was Guitar Hero 4. Nope, they had a Van Halen. Oh, they had a Van Halen? Shit. I okay. saw it yesterday. Well, I held okay. it in my hand. And then they had, like, Guitar Hero 5, and this is, like, all after the fact of people just not caring. And then, like, Guitar Hero 4 had the drum kit and the keyboard as well, mm-hmm. which is weird. 
And then also at some point, I think between Rock, uh, Guitar Hero 2 and 3, Rock Band came along. Yep. And Rock Band, like, I've been talking about my, this uh, with my friend who's been, like, thinking about writing a piece on it because Guitar Hero is really, like, important to them growing up and also Guitar Hero is really important culturally and I think it's formed like a lot of Guitar the... Hero was uh, Guitar Hero was weird Guitar Hero just like injected a bunch of like older classic music to like younger kids and yeah. I think it started like uh, this kind of movement of people uh, just not that liking older music is bad but I think it changed a lot of the taste that people have instead of just listening to radio and also it came along at this time when like internet distribution still wasn't fully formed and radio was starting to die out uh, internet distribution had already been around for a while. I'm saying as far as a well-realized thing. Okay, but this was kind of like introducing a newer generation to yeah. song curation and just discovery online. Yeah. Because, just because of Guitar Hero, that was kind of my first foray into, you know, the, like, torrenting music. Yeah. It wasn't stuff, even just torrenting. I was, I was... I didn't have money. I was in middle school. I couldn't afford all this. So I was like, oh, I'm going to, you can get music online for free. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. So there was that. But also like most of the songs that I bought on iTunes, like my first hundred songs that I bought on iTunes back when like buying songs on iTunes was the way you got music. And back when iTunes was like a big thing. And I mean, it still is, but now streaming is, is when more. iTunes was like the thing. I mean, yeah. of course there were other little music shops you could buy online, but they were, iTunes was the one that made it good it made it better than free yeah that was their big thing yeah but like out of my first hundred songs that i bought on itunes probably like 70 percent were from guitar hero probably that sounds about just right. but i mean that's just it is that it like introduced like internet distribution that's mm-hmm. like it impacted like the music that i listened to back when i was in middle school and then rock band came along and the music wasn't as good but rock band like actually perfected it had all the fun parts of like being in a band together Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where like you got to like make your own logo and you got to make your band and you got to like tour different cities and stuff like that but it wasn't as fun and And also you could have like multiple play people playing at the same time so it was much more of a group activity whereas guitar hero you could only play one person at a time and like switch on and off no you could do verses in guitar hero but rock band was actually cooperative yeah and but the thing about rock band is that like it was so polished in in the way it presented stuff that it i don't know guitar hero 2 had like an edge to it i guess like no guitar hero 2 like it felt like it felt like it was kind of gonna break at times or like some parts were like underdeveloped okay but it was much more fun to play the songs in that uh yeah it was it was guitar hero 2 was goodness they were both fun for different reasons i don't know i personally liked rock band a little bit more but Guitar Hero had the better songs. They had kind of the cooler characters or something like that, just because they took that entire customization aspect out of your hands. So it was like, oh, man, I really like Axel, the weird heavy metal dude. I like playing as him. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, like, this is going to sound so damn pretentious, but, like, it felt like Guitar Hero was, like, actually captured the spirit of, like, rock music and, like, punk and stuff like that. Where it was, like, edgy, and you're playing at all these, like, CD locations, and, like, the game it itself... captured the spirit of punk and rock music by slapping a logo on it and distributing it out to the mass No, culture. but I'm saying okay. that, like, actually playing it was, like, fun, and the game itself felt, like, edgy and stuff like that, and the game itself felt like it wasn't completely polished. Well, just because it was, it was, like, this new thing. I think that's what goes into it. It was well, this new sort of experimental thing. You did have, you know, rhythm gaming... Yeah. Before then, but it but you didn't have that 
like external uh, controller to go along with it outside of like DDR and DDR pads. Well, do you not understand like rock and punk music were all about like innovating and making new stuff? Well, yeah, exactly. That's why that's what I was saying. Oh, okay. I thought no, you... no, no. I was I was agreeing, going like, yes, okay. it was this newer thing because it was experimental. It yeah. was this weird thing the mask like people knew what like rhythm gaming was but they hadn't seen it in this particular way and for whatever reason it just caught on yeah and then rock band came along and it was like a little bit too polished and it felt very like i mean very much in the same way that like later radio rock just was not or i guess even radio rock in general was just kind of i don't know Kind of a little too polished, mass produced, and then later Guitar Heroes did the exact same thing. Where Guitar like, Heroes just kind of did the same thing. This isn't fun and anymore. And then it went the full rock and roll route, where it was like, oh man, it had the reunion tour or something sort of aspect, where it's like, oh man, we have we miss Rock Band. Oh man, we miss Guitar Hero. Hey guys, we're coming back! Yay! No one, no one yeah, bought no it. No one cares. No I one cares. Know. Rhythm games now is like. Guitar Hero and Rock Band are kind of out, but, like, Nintendo just released a new, like, Rhythm Heaven just at E3, just out of nowhere. They're like, hey, guys, new Rhythm Heaven. There it is. I don't even know what Rhythm Heaven is, so. It's just, like, I mean, kind of like a WarioWare kind of rhythm game where it's just, like, these really quick little, very tiny rhythm games. I do not like that. That doesn't sound fun. I mean, it's kind of fun when I played the demo of it, but even then, I'm like, I'm not paying $30 for this. No. no. But it, it was really cool. But, um, yeah, so... Again, back to the game shop. So, oh my god, Guitar Hero was there, and I was gonna get that, and then I saw, I think Crash Team Racing, or no, NBA Live was gonna be a five dollar game, and then Crash Team Racing was so fucked up, they're just gonna treat it as a dollar game, mm-hmm. and then they ended up actually having a copy of the game that they got like got the day before, or something like that. That was a lot better quality, and compared to it, it looked spotless. Um, and they had like a buy two get one free deal, so I just. Got all three of those for, for like 11 bucks. Pretty exciting stuff. Pretty riveting. This is riveting content. Yeah, exactly. We're going we're gonna to win Best of iTunes 2016 for this one. I'm gonna, I got my email from iTunes about like best podcast promotion practices, and they said to like tweet about it and include links, which fucking I already do. I understand mm-hmm. how internet works. I understand no one gives a shit, so no one's going to go out of their way to like find your link and all that stuff. You got to give it to them right there. Um, but they said like also tag iTunes podcast or podcast connect or whatever in your tweet so that they, they have a better chance of retweeting it. And I'm mm, like, okay. you're, you're probably not going to retweet me. No, probably not. Yeah. I, don't, I just uh, I, don't, I got an email from uh, Tim Cook, and I authorized him to use more servers yeah. on iTunes for this podcast. Yeah, Tim just Cook in anticipation. Yeah, Tim Cook was like, Seth, now like you're coming up on the big 009 episode here. Are you sure you like? I know there, people are going to be beating down the door for this thing. Do you want us to like put up more servers for this? And I was like, thinking ahead, Tim. Good job. Good job, man. You know the whole Apple II campus that you guys are building? That's just one giant server. All for me. All for Seth. All for Seth. All for this podcast. All for my media empire. Of podcasts. Of podcasting and tweets. All for my tweets. <laughs> and my revining. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I don't revine, please. I revine occasionally. Oh, man. But Vine. Vine, yeah. So... Yep, I guess that's uh, that's my story. Oh, okay, so this game shop, really quick. The reason I even wanted to talk about this game shop in the first place is that, like, 
This thing epitomizes uh, gamer culture and why I think it needs to stop. Um, oh, this is going to be such a good topic. <laughs> well, okay. So, hey guys, Order 1886 episode. We're going to talk about fucking gamers. Um, so, this game shop, like, is the thesis, like, statement for why gamers should not be allowed to design game shops. But Continue. This whole store felt like it was still under construction. It mm. felt like it was inside of someone's mom's basement. Like the, I, I see that, yeah. The game tournament venue just had a bunch of like plastic fold-out tables everywhere with uh, a bunch of mismatching monitors all over the tables, and the floors were like unfinished concrete, and the walls were completely empty. When you went inside the actual game shop, uh, the walls were just like covered. Well, not covered. That's a very generous term. But were, there were just sparse uh, game posters from just random games placed throughout the place. And eventually I even commented to the guy who worked there. And I think he may have been the owner or the manager. I'm not sure. Yeah, he kind of looked like Chumley from Pawn Stars. No, he oh, looked okay. like um, he looked like he would have been friends with Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> A little bit. But um, so I even mentioned like the game posters to him. And he said, yeah, if you got a game poster, we'll pay a dollar a piece for him. And I was like. just anything anything (laughs) bruh i got a premium dead or alive three poster just for you yeah are you talking about dead or alive extreme three yes the game that was censored yes man what a what a time we live in why do they want to take why do they want to take away my video games why do they want to take away my boob physics why do they want to take away my they're not even representations of women because like these people would never exist in real life. Like, the thing I have with the games with boob physics is, have they ever seen, like, boobs move? Because they don't move like that. They're not these kinetic, just, like, energy-filled things that just move in all these different directions. They don't move like that. There's, like, there's some weight, there's an inherent weight to boobs that video games just can't capture. Also, like, it's kind of, um, so boob physics are that way because the developers probably, like, haven't, uh, seen boobs that much, and I'm not, like, shaming them saying, oh, fucking idiot hasn't seen a boob, but I'm just saying, like, uh, they haven't seen boobs because women don't just walk around with their boobs hanging out. No. So, like, why do they do that in video games, right? I don't know. It's some sort of representation thing. Okay. Since we haven't talked about... Since this episode is about Order 1886 and we haven't talked about it, I'm just going to throw something in here. I think Order 1886 is the first time we see penis in the next gen. Uh, Far Cry 4 had it. Far Cry 4 had penis? Okay. Yeah, and a bunch of people, like... I think it was in a first person, like, your character's, like... I haven't... I don't remember, like, because I haven't played the game, but I saw a video of it one time. And I think it's, like, your character... Because, of course, we're, like, in India, so you gotta have, like, this mystical element. They get taken to, like, this, like, this group of, like, indigenous people, and your character's, like, naked, and this, like, exotic woman who's representing, like, Indian culture in this really appropriative and offensive way just, like, comes Oh, kind of like, uh, uh, the third one, when to, like, get yourself, like, powers or something she just had sex with you pretty much okay so it's kind of like that where this like woman comes up in like um like a bikini but decorated in like this way that looks authentic um <laughs> she's like <laughs> i don't even know she, she's like 
torturing you or helping you, but I think you're handcuffed and you're naked and you can look down at your penis, but also like you see her, you eventually see her boobs and everybody just yelled about seeing a penis for like five seconds. Okay. You didn't even see a penis for five seconds in order 1886. It was maybe a half second to a second. You see this dude's, see this dude's penis. Yeah. And he's like the big bad villain of the game and you've only seen him one time. Oh, big bad villain, huh? Lord Hastings, you're the villain. Who's this guy? <laughs> you know, that one mission where you save him. Okay. Okay, but really quick, back to the uh, the gamer thing, though. Like, the thing about local game shops, like, as much shit as I'll give GameStop, GameStop at least makes games, like, somewhat uh, defensible. It's presentable. Exactly. It's made so that, like, parents and people who don't play games can come in and be like, maybe I could get into this. And GameStop is a horrible, horrible way for someone to, like, get into games and everything just because i don't know it's just like GameStop and we don't it's weird i don't think it's like horrible no it's not horrible because it the people who work at GameStop, they're knowledgeable they're helpful they are yeah. video game fans enthusiasts whatever except word you for this use. one manager who works at a local GameStop, who's i think she's worked there ever since like we moved here and for like five years and she's always been she's just seems like miserable and i'm like why do you work at like a game shop if it seems like you just don't even like video games at this point it seems like she's well just been... she probably really likes video games but gamestop is just it's just catered to the you yeah. know the eight to 16 year olds at this point yeah and the the i'm sure the clientele continues to get younger i'm sure and the clientele continues to get obsessed with things that she doesn't like but she just always seems like miserable and one time i was like I was going to buy the orange box and she started talking about how like Half-Life 3 was like announced and was totally coming out. And I was like, what? Wait, wait, when was this? When this, this happened? This is like 2011, 2012. Oh my God. I was like, all right, chill. Get off your 4chan forum. Like, okay, let's let's chill. Take off your, your tinfoil hat. It's not coming out. This game is never going to happen. Well, I mean, it makes sense that I just like don't really think it should happen unless uh, there's an actual reason for it to happen well sure there's like a story element and stuff there's like a story that. element to it there's but, but at the same time like valve is heavily involved with you know steam they've already announced that a third of the staff working at valve is working on vr games yeah. i yeah. mean i'm sure half-life is being developed in some way shape or form like at least one or two people are working on it well, the thing about it is that, like, the other Half-Life games came out at a time where, like, they were doing something innovative mm-hmm. and just making another, like, first-person shooter with, like, physics-based puzzles that are, I mean, that's, I mean, it's not the most saturated thing in the market, but, like, it's, those are kind of everywhere because all those things were inspired by Half-Life mm-hmm. and Half-Life 2. Also, so, half, like, like mm-hmm. the Half-Life games, I don't. Like, if Half-Life 3 were to come out, I don't think I would play it, just because I feel its moment has passed. Yeah. There are better shooters out there. There's a better first-person just puzzler that even Valve themselves have made to be better than Half-Life and Half-Life 2, and that's Portal. Yeah. Well, that's it, those games. Like, I don't know, it's just those games are always innovative, and they were made at a time where, like, those games, even though, not like... They weren't made because the developers were like, this game is necessary. Mm-hmm. But, like, those games, if you look at the evolution of, like, where things are now and how we've reached, like, just uh, different 
ways of making a game like playable and kind of mastered different ways of like the like language of games um like half-life is pretty essential so just making another half-life just to make money is like probably not what they want to do i mean they could do that but just making another it's one of those things where it's been hyped for so long that it honestly if they didn't want to make it I would, that's an understandable thing. Yeah. Because at this point, I genuinely don't know if they could make a game that could meet the expectations of people because it's just been so long. It's just been stewing in this just internet hype cycle where people who have just been waiting for the game and it's just kind of a joke now for Half-Life 3 announcements. It's, it might be like Duke Nukem Forever level. Well, no, it's, beyond duke nukem forever level it's probably like i mean it's kind of up there with the last guardian yeah. i'd say beyond it actually it might be up there with dr dre's detox level at this point yeah. where no matter what came out it's just not gonna be what people expect and want out of it so if they were to not make it that's probably not a loss for them they're gonna make money with you know their steam service all their vr game and support that they'll be doing um all their esports collaborations they do like they valve is gonna be fine yeah whether they make half-life 3 or not yeah that's the thing so we're talking about gamestop gamestop makes games like presentable and like kind of understandable for people that aren't super into it Mm -hmm. um but local game shops like well first of all they're made by people who are super passionate about games Mm -hmm. and they're getting into the business because they love games exactly and the thing about it is like walmart best buy target all these major retailers have like the top like 50 games at a given time Maybe if top that. maybe top twenty five. If that because I don't know, they, they because a... you have to share no, you have to share uh like shelf space and you have to divide it up what, among like five different consoles at this point? Five or six, depending on where you go. Maybe. But like I don't know, you have like the multi platform games and then you have like the exclusives to PlayStation, Nintendo, and Sony. I'd say like the top twenty games at a given time are at those places. Mm-hmm. And then you have online retailers, and then there's Best Buy that has like well the online retailers in Best Buy are gonna have like the best selection. Mm-hmm. And then local game shops are just kind of left to like kind of fend for themselves uh just because everywhere else kind of is it's just convenient to go to those Mm -hmm. bigger stores a lot of times they have the best prices um and then gamestop and online retailers have like a pretty good like market for for people that are want specific games that aren't going to be at like a best buy and then local game shops are kind of left to like lean into retro games yeah they're kind of, which online retailers also do that they're they're forced or well they're well yeah they're forced i, I suppose they're forced to go into the retro games slash niche yeah games they're able to um cater more towards the gaming enthusiast audience rather than a mainstream sort of thing because in them because you know if you go to like one of these locally owned game shops they're gonna have like you know your toys to life section they're gonna have your I guess nerd culture section that like GameStop is really gravitated towards. Whereas if you go to a GameStop or something like that, they've got like an entire wall dedicated to toys to life games. And then if you look on the other side, they've got like 
hot toys over there. Yeah. They've got like gaming apparel, gaming apparel, and they've just got like all these. They've like got comic books as well. Yeah. Like it's like all right, that's cool, but this feels a little. This feels kind of weird just because they've seen that like nerd culture is profitable. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that I was in the mall uh, like. A week ago, two weeks ago, and I walked by Hot Topic on the way to GameStop, mm-hmm. and I noticed, I don't know if it's because I'm, like, growing up, but it feels like Hot Topic, like, isn't as edgy. Hot Topic has kind of toned it, uh, well, Hot Topic has toned it down a little bit, just because, like, whenever I used to shop there a lot, it what there was, like, a few, like, comic book, few superhero things, but it was mostly, uh, about music and sort of that yeah. weird punk goth type stuff like i mean you can still kind of get that stuff there however it's moved into a much more pop culture oriented thing and then you've also got a little bit of anime in there thrown in there their their anime selection has gotten really really good but no hot topic has gotten to this very pop culture-y central look to it it's fine it's still good i still go in there but it's Um, not you still go in there i yeah i still go in there of course i still go in there but so like hot topic is kind of moved away from being like crazy um like off in its own little like niche and not that i guess it was like super niche because it was a popular store but it's slowly moved away from that toward like the cultural like pop culture center of like youtube um superheroes bbc anime anime, yeah fucking the bbc (laughs) anglophiles um and then gamestop has moved away from being like super hardcore gamer to like Mm. being somewhat palatable um like it's still it's still very much palatable like because the ones that it bought up like your eb games your rhino your babbage i've never seen a babbage before in my life but you know it was a a branch of eb games oh yeah Um, i've never seen one in my life but it's kind of like what happened with um toys stores because you just you just walk around now, you don't see toy stores in malls anymore. They've kind of just been bought up by GameStop. The only like dedicated toy store in the United States that I know of would be like Toys R Us. Yeah. So, because everybody else has just kind of cannibalized that market by your WalMarts, your Targets being like opening up their toy sections and such, and then GameStop also kind of coming in and just games getting more popular than like actual physical toys. Yeah. As people get older. Well, then okay, so Hot Topic and GameStop are slowly starting to adopt more like game culture stuff, and with that comes like the physical games mm-hmm. um or the physical like byproducts of games. So I mean, part of that's Toys to Life and Toys to Life recognize like that popularity. But a lot of it is, like, pop figurines are fucking everywhere in those two stores. And, um, like, game shirts, um, just game-associated things. Then even mm-hmm. things that are, like, tangentially related to games, like superheroes. Yeah. And and stuff like that. So, GameStop is kind of, like, I don't It makes games, like, presentable to other people. And then local game shops kind of just have to lean into, like, a hardcore gamer audience that they feels... Have to, they have to go for the niche audience. Well, yeah, and the audience that feels, like, kind of patronized even by GameStop. Which, I mean, at times I can feel patronized by GameStop just because I'm like... Listen, guys, like, I don't give a shit about pre-ordering and all this stuff. <laughs> it's like, just, do you have the game I want? Yeah, no. It's... Also, you don't have to give me, like, $10 for a PlayStation 4 trade-in. <laughs> Also, the it's a good thing. I, like, I'm happy that we're able to have this conversation because it means games are getting popular. Things 
that we like are getting popular. It's now mainstream to like, you know, comic books. It's mainstream to like superheroes. You can like video games and not get this weird look. Like and everything, because if like you're on a you're on a date with someone, you're like, oh, I play a lot of video games. That's like one of my hobbies. They don't look at you like, oh man, you're this kind of weird shut in type person. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, video games. I know what those are. I've played a few. I know what they are. I know what they are. Yeah, but I don't know. So like, local game shops have to, I guess, like to get to the the what I'm trying to say is that like they have to lean into like the hardcore gamer audience and. Like, the word gamer for me, like, I hate it to describe actual, like, people that play video games, because you don't call someone that, like, watches a movie, like, a watcher. Mm-hmm. You don't call someone that likes to, like, I don't know, work out. You don't call them, like, uh, a workouter or something like that. No, you call them much you call them much more descriptive words yeah exactly i mean what do you like call them gym rat meathead gym rat meathead uh uh yeah i don't know and you don't well i guess in terms of like strictly entertainment you don't call someone that loves film like a, a, a watcher i'm He's a watcher a cinephile yeah i mean cinephile maybe but even then like i really don't like when people call people <laughs> that and then, like people that read books you don't say oh yeah i'm a big reader i just like the act of reading I don't know, the, the word gamer just feels weird to me, but also I I like using it to encapsulate the time period of, like, the late 90s to the mid-2000s of, like, gamer culture. That's just, yeah. like, Mountain Dew, fucking LAN party, staying up with your friends. Uh, it's, you know, it's something most of these mediums do have to shake off. Like, I'm sure this is not, like, a perfect analogy, but like marijuana and recreational marijuana there's Stoner. there's a stigma that goes behind it but as it becomes much more acceptable and much more mainstream that's going to go away very much like video games and just video game culture in general that's going to go away but it's still it's going to linger on in some places because hey some the the OG people who were in it before it was cool or mainstream or in that analogies term legal i mean there's gonna be a place for them yeah i don't know i just i gamer is very much associated with like the aesthetic and the design philosophies of like those times and Mm -hmm. like also the people who are like oh man i'm a i'm a gamer (laughs) like uh taking pride in it and i don't i don't call myself a gamer but i really enjoy video games um but um game shops really market themselves toward gamers in that sense of people who feel like shunned by the rest of the world for liking games there's this weird like sense of like angst and pride whenever you go in an indie game shop yeah and all of the indie game shops here i mean there's like the one place that we usually go called play and trade it's kind of local but it's like a local franchise well yeah it's a it's a franchise that's within like this region but also it's honestly a smaller game stop well the only totally honest but the only like thing i've like talked to some of the guys there and the only thing they get from the franchise is just like some like the logos and like the colors and materials they use for the shop but everything else is like local exactly so the organization of the place is local the like what they get shipped into the store like their inventories all run by the store. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, even that store feels kind of like empty and like there's just this like bright fluorescent lights and these concrete surfaces and everything's kind of shiny and it feels really empty in there and really spacious. 
um, but still feels like kind of unfinished. Um, I guess. And then Game Trader is the other place that is like, that place is like small, but it has so much stuff in it. That it you... is floor to ceiling, just games. Yeah. From all systems. Like, it looks like it's in somebody's mom's basement, but there's so many games that it actually kind of distracts you from how, like, that poorly designed. Yeah. Or at least poorly, like, decorated the place is. But I don't know. I just, like, had this, went on this train of thought uh, yesterday after going inside this game shop that was looked completely unfinished and i was like man gamers should not be allowed to like open up game shops because people that love video games don't give a shit about design or accessibility just get on pinterest get on just google image like i don't know something design yeah or something you can figure it out it's not that hard don't just kind of like make it a slapstick like ramshackle effort where you just kind of put things it's like i mean that's cool i set it down there so that's where it's gonna be yeah i don't know like part of me has like this kind of uh i don't know kind of maybe nostalgia Mm -hmm. i don't know for these kind of stores where you go in and it looks like this place is being held together by duct tape and there's just like games floor to ceiling and you just kind of look around at all this stuff and of course like i love i love the physical part of games because otherwise it's just like a purely digital medium yeah and recently like you gave me an old pc and i've been like playing a few games on that and as much as i love steam and pc does have like it's, like, the most open and, like, best place to play games. Yeah. I like PlayStation and consoles just because, like, I like ha- I like holding the game. Mm-hmm. There's not that discovery aspect to it. Like, I think that's why I still gravitate towards comic books, just because you go to a comic book store and you've just got, like, these little rows and rows of just comic books in shelves, and you're just kind of flipping through them and everything. It's like this actual thing of discovery. Yeah. And like that's what I like about these local game shops because they have a few copies of like you know whatever the newest title is, but they also have that back catalog that you can just go through and just be like, oh, this is a cool looking game, or oh, I've heard of this game type thing. And you're like, there's like a genuine discovery to some of it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That's just like I don't know. I really like the physical aspects of games, whether it's like owning amiibo. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I don't know, Nintendo started to realize that they had, like, the gap in, in what they were creating in terms of, like, physical stuff. Because you've seen in the past couple of years, there's just been this humongous push for, like, licensed merchandise by Nintendo. Yeah. Like, uh, shirts and plush figures and Because their game consoles might not sell all that well, but... Give, but the people still like the characters. Exactly. The characters are great, and that's why Amiibo are so successful. And mm-hmm. I've, like, written a little bit about this, but um, that's, like, I don't know. Nintendo's just started to realize that. And also, they've started to expand outside of just, like, games into, like, iPhones with, with Mitomo and these, like, upcoming Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem apps. Now they're about to make and, movies. And Pokemon Go and movies and stuff like that. And, I don't know, Nintendo's just started to realize that, that games, well, first of all, uh, they've been confronted with the fact that maybe their games just aren't that great at the moment. No, it's not that their games aren't great. It's that their hardware is not great. Well, their their hardware is just inaccessible to other developers. It's outside just, of they're just, it's no one, it's not that they're inaccessible. It's just no one wants to do anything with them because why would you hamstring yourself to technology that's honestly one console generation behind everyone else? So yeah. why would you do that? 
Yeah. And then you have the weird controls that go into it. They're not like normal controls. They're their own special thing. So it's just, why would you? Yeah. And then the install base is just not there. I don't know. I mean, you buy Nintendo consoles for Nintendo games, and Nintendo exactly. has cultivated that that ability to just kind of have their fans and then also create all these things for their fans. Mm-hmm. So, all that to say, local game shops are like, everything about them is great except for the shop. Go support your local game shop. Yeah, go support your local If you local. want. If you want to be digital, then... Yeah. There you go. I've actually, like, in the past little week, I've just kind of had a bit of downtime, so I've been going to, like, game shops and stuff, and I went in one the other day when I was, like, waiting. I had to go, like, pick up a camera to do, like, some video stuff this past week, and I was waiting on someone to, like, get to where their camera was and just check to make sure everything was there. Um, I had some time to kill before they texted me saying they were there, so I was like, all right, I'll just go to this game shop, and I went, and I ended up having, like, a conversation with the the cashier there for, like, an hour. Mm -hmm. It was really awesome. He's a really cool guy, but it's just... I don't know. This game shop was always kind of like intimidating to me. I don't know. I just like never really knew how to exist in a game shop. I would always just like go in, fucking find the thing that I wanted, then get out. Get out as fast as you can. Yeah. And I don't know. Lately, I've been spending more time like, I don't know. I have a lot of friends that like buy records and stuff like that. And they'll like go to record stores and just like flip through records. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a similar sort of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So just like going to a game shop and just like flipping through games and saying like, hmm, this one seems kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's like five bucks. I'll, why not? So... I don't know. I've been trying to do that more lately, and it's pretty cool. But So we've been going for an hour at this point. You want to go ahead and talk about Order 1886? We could. I'm trying to decide if I actually just want to, like, maybe have this as, like, a, an extra episode just in the bag. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Bonus episode. Bonus episode in the bag. There we go. I'm going to write down this time code really quick. You want to pause or something? Take a bathroom break? Sure. I need to pee. Oh, okay. Uh... Should we record a thing really quick about, like, how this is not about the Order 1886? All right. I don't know. I could just say, like, I could just say something right now and then insert it right after the intro where we talk about the Order 1886. Yeah. Okay. Hey, guys. A quick update. This episode is not actually about the Order 1886. This is something uh, we recorded when we started talking about the Order 1886 and just went uh, on for about an hour about not the Order 1886. So this is kind of just like a separate episode, but anyway, enjoy, maybe, we did. That's a great, Sierra, that's how you intro a podcast, that's how you do that.